Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hi everyone, welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights. I'm Fukian Yap, a senior equity strategist, and we have just published our monthly global market outlook. So on this episode of the podcast, we'll discuss whether it is time to rebalance your investments. We talk about a taper tantrum, whether it is a concern. And we discuss the rising bond yields and what does it mean. Joining me today for this conversation, I am very glad to welcome Steve Bryce, our Chief Investment Officer, and Marco Yakini, Cross Asset Strategist. Let's start with you, Steve. We have just published our latest global market outlook. And in our asset allocation framework, we continue to like risk and we like equity. However, we also seem to have somewhat reduced overall risk. Can you tell us what is driving the latest changes? Yeah, thanks, Bukian, and, 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 and hello, everybody. Um, so I think, you know, maybe if you just step back and look at the, what we were saying at the end of last year and the beginning of this year. So we're talking about uh, four key drivers uh, for the outlook for financial markets. So, and they were vaccine uh, efficacy and distribution, uh, policy decisions, uh, the outlook for the US dollar, and bond yields. And our view is that three of those, three of the four, and we'll spend a bit of time on the fourth one, which is bond yields, but three out of the four are still positive. So vaccine deployment has, has continued to roll out. Uh, clearly, it's been disappointing in some areas, such as the euro area and uh, emerging markets. Uh, whereas in other areas such as the UK and US, uh, massive progress has already been made and they're accelerating that progress as well. So that's giving people confidence that the lockdowns are unlikely to be um, uh, you know, uh, extended into the second half of the year. So that recovery that everybody is talking about uh, is likely to happen. That's also supported by policy decisions. So you've seen, um, obviously, that the, the Fed has uh, reiterated its uh, uh, loose monetary policy settings, and we're seeing that from other central banks around the world as well, particularly in the developed world. And we're looking for another fiscal stimulus. So we've got a fiscal stimulus in December in the U.S., uh, and they're talking about up to a 1.9 fiscal stimulus as early as March, uh, which obviously would be a, a, a huge stimulus. So, again, that's reinforcing this view that the, the, the global economy will have a much better 2021. Uh, as far as the dollar is concerned, we have seen some weakness coming through. It's stabilized a little bit in recent times, but uh, overall, we still believe the downtrend is in place, and that's an important factor for risk assets. And as I say, we'll talk about bond yields. Obviously, we've seen a spike there, but we'll talk about that in a bit more detail. But if we look at the net impact of this growth, um, economic growth forecasts have generally been revised up in the past couple of months, as have earning, uh, corporate earnings forecasts. Um, and we're also seeing the signs that uh, defaults have peaked uh, as well. So against all that backdrop, you know, if we're looking on a 12-month time horizon, uh, we still believe that um, equities will, will, will do well. Naturally, there are always some short-term risks. Um, so I think, you know, key things for us are you know, two things, really. One thing is, you know, rebalance. So obviously, um, we have seen very strong performance of equities. That means if people haven't done anything, um, the, the allocation to equities has, uh, uh, has increased significantly over time. Uh, and, and therefore, we, what we'd say is, you know, keep an eye on your risk tolerance and your current allocations across different asset classes, uh, potentially having to, you know, trim a little bit of equities and increase 
uh, into bonds, which obviously cheapened in recent times as yields have gone up. Uh, the second thing is then you know, looking at different areas where we're saying uh, maybe the market's got a little bit ahead of itself or we're a little bit concerned in some areas. So we're, we're reducing our allocation to credit somewhat. Spreads have tightened very, uh, very significantly. Uh, so we are reducing our allocation a little bit there. Uh, in the equity space, we've trimmed our allocation to euro area equities as well. Um, part of that is you know, disappointment on the vaccine distribution and continued challenges on that front in the near term. Part of it's a relatively relative call. We could become more constructive on Japan. We've seen a technical breakout on the upside uh, for Japan. So, you know, we like U.S. equities and Asia X Japan and, and Japan equities, um, you know, going forward as three, three main regions for us. And finally, you know, we, we have trimmed our EM local currency bond um, holdings as well. Um, we believe that while the dollar is likely to weaken, we believe that uh, the local uh, policy environment is becoming less favourable for further decline in yields in bonds in emerging markets, local currency bond yields. Uh, and that means that that's a, a less attractive asset class for us today. So overall, still, um, still um, positive 12 months. But maybe just keep an eye on the short term. We could see a little bit of a short term pullback, and therefore, um, you know, we don't want to be over invested at this time. Okay, that's that's great. Thanks, Steve. Uh, good to see that we are actively monitoring the market and then proactively trimming uh, where relevant. Uh, we also see that uh, recently a lot of people have been talking about a taper tantrum scenario, uh, where the central bank starts to reduce or taper down the monetary stimulus. Now, is this a concern for you? So it could be a concern in the short term. As a, a more strategic term, uh, it does, it's not a concern for us. So uh, maybe just explain to people what paper tantrum was. So 2013, we saw a surge in, in U.S. government bond yields. So the 10-year bond yield went up about 1% in two months. Um, global equities fell during that period around 9% uh, from peak to trough. Um, so since the end of January, yields uh, this time, 10-year yield has risen by around 50 basis points, so around half that amount, but obviously the, the momentum is still for higher yields. And that's obviously leading to concerns that we could see further volatility in, in, in equities. Uh, this is coming at a time where we've been highlighting that short-term indicators um, are, are suggesting that markets are stretched and therefore uh, you know, there's actually a, a larger than normal risk of a pullback. So these two have uh, potentially... Uh, come together at the same time. So we, we do believe that, uh, you know, we could see some short-term volatility. Um, but I think what I would point out is it, during the taper tantrum, uh, that we, we saw that 9% pullback in global equities, but actually that is not that big. I mean, so it's obviously painful as you go through it, especially given the negative news flow you get around the time. Um, but the market was up 20% in 2013 from, from, from beginning to end, you know, despite that. So, you know, we, we shouldn't be too concerned. So we'd be looking at any dips in equity to be a buying opportunity. The fundamentals are still very positive. The Fed has been very, very clear that it has no intentions of moving away from its very accommodative stance um, you know, in, in the foreseeable future. And, and the main reason for the higher bond yields has been the fiscal stimulus, of course, which should be positive for growth. So short-term risk, absolutely. Um, so we've been talking about that for, for a month or so now, um, and we still believe that's the case. But, uh, you know, a longer-term scenario we still think is pretty positive. Okay, that, that's great. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for the reminder to keep an eye on the longer-term goals. Uh, now over to you, Marco, perhaps. So Steve has briefly touched rising bond yields. 
and uh, how that has uh, perhaps spooked equity investors. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about the relationship between bond yields and equities, and whether we really should be concerned? Yes. Hi, Fukien. So, uh, we looked at a series of episodes since the year 2000, actually, when U.S. Treasury yields rose rapidly. And we looked at the performance of various assets, not just equities, uh, but still focused mainly on equities. And we looked at the performance of various assets during and after these episodes to see if there were any hidden relationships. Now, when we looked at the performance during these periods of rising rates, which tended to vary in length and size, but on average they lasted about three months and yields have tended to rise by about 90 basis points, uh, the U.S. equity market is actually a standout with the highest probability of positive returns amongst the various global regions. And additionally, value-oriented sectors, that is energy, financials, industrials, and materials, have outperformed growth-oriented sectors. Um, and those are sectors such as, such as technology, consumer discretionary, and communication services. And in these situations, value has outperformed growth sectors by about 1.5% on average. And that's even including the December 2008 to March 2009 period, where financials fell approximately 47%. So quite a, um, a significant relationship there. We also noticed that global high-dividend high equities fared reasonably, reasonably well. Uh, given their tilt towards more mature companies, but also cyclical parts of the market. And we think that this, for example, is consistent with our expectations of a shift in the leadership of the market towards more cyclical and value parts of the economy as the vaccination rollout prog progresses and the recovery broadens out. Now, if we, looked, uh, if we look at the various parts of the bond space, the picture is slightly less positive uh, when Treasury yields rise. And that's particularly the case with developed market high-yield uh, sorry, high quality, that is investment grade bonds, that have historically been disproportionately impacted given their long duration profile. Now, given the much lower starting point, we do think that this area of the market, the uh, developed markets investment grade bonds, are, are more sensitive to a significant rise in yields. And that's one of the reasons why it's a less preferred segment of the market for us. But during these situations, also, we saw that other parts of the bond market such as our preferred areas, which, just to remind everyone, are emerging market dollar government bonds, Asia dollar bonds, and uh, developed market corporate high-yield bonds. These have actually fared much better, uh, either by losing less or sometimes eking out some small positive returns, total returns on average. Now, that was the analysis for what happens during periods of rising rates, but we also had a look at what happens shortly afterwards. And in fact, uh, what we see is that uh, these jumps, uh, there can be a difference based on the drivers causing the, the rise in yields. Now, yield spikes due to tightening or in growth challenge periods tend to be negative for risk assets. And these specifically were periods such as the 2008 financial crisis, the 2012 euro crisis, and, and more recently in 2018, where we saw a combination of trade tensions and, and tightening Fed policy that dragged equity returns. So what does our analysis tell us? Well, what it tells us is that it appears that uh, what matters more to stock markets are economic growth and central bank policy. So when bond yields are rising due to weaker growth and tighter monetary policy, that tends to be uh, impacting uh, equities in a negative way. But when financial conditions are loose and fiscal policies are supportive, such as the case right now, stocks tend to do well. Okay, thanks very much, Marco. Um, that's a very extensive analysis of the implications in the rise in bond yields. So the market has been uh, seeing a lot of moves recently, 
Uh, can you tell us a bit more about how investors can take advantage of this market movement and realign their portfolios, perhaps? Yes, and, and Steve actually uh, mentioned this earlier, but global equities are up more than 80% since the trough in March 2020. So one question that increasingly comes to mind is, is it time to trim our equity exposure, right? One approach that we looked at is whether our existing equity allocation makes sense in the, in the context of our long-term objectives and risk tolerance. So we looked at two different strategies, uh, one of regular rebalancing versus a buy-and-hold approach. Uh, with a bit more focus on a rebalancing strategy, as you know, that, that was the focus for this month's uh, publication. So the main objective of rebalancing is not to outright maximize returns, in our view, but rather is to maintain one person's risk return profile that is necessary to meet long-term financial goals. Now, rebalancing helps mitigate the risk of deviating from these agreed target allocations, and that's why we think that is uh, more often than not beneficial to, to investors. Now, put more simply, rebalancing is a disciplined approach of buying low and selling high and taking profits on asset classes that have performed well and adding to underperforming assets. So when we look at the benefits, investors do tend to end up with lower volatility and reduced drawdowns. One more important aspect is that timing, as we all know, timing is not easy. As humans, we are inclined to buy when our investments are doing well and sell when they're losing value. Hence, having a structured approach to rebalancing can take the emotion out of investing. And this is especially important when there are two parts to this equation, and as it is not only important to know when to sell, but also when to buy back, and vice versa. So just to bring it back to today's context, as Steve said earlier, if you had held our global tactical allocation since April 2020 until now, you would have actually seen your equity exposure increase by about 10% without necessarily meaning that you as an investor are that much more confident or constructive on equities. So this may or may not be ideal based on the type of investment you are and what your objectives are. But going back to rebalancing strategies, we, uh, as I was saying, like the discipline of it, we think is beneficial. But we acknowledge that there are other factors at play that sometimes can make this, uh, these decisions a bit more complex, such as the frequency of rebalancing or the type of rebalancing, transaction costs, and so on. But in general, we do think that having a consistent rule-based rebalancing discipline is going to benefit investors in their long-term journey towards achieving their investment goals by keeping them disciplined and taking advantage of, uh, as I was saying, selling high and buying low. That's great. Well, um, thanks again, uh, Steve Marco, for joining our conversation. Uh, that is all for this episode of the Standard Chartered Money Insights. If you would like to learn more or read our publications, please visit our website at sc.com and search for latest market insights. As a reminder, if you have enjoyed our discussion, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. And thanks for joining us. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.